Thanks for listening to the Family Perspectives podcast brought to you by the BYU School of Family Life Student Editorial Board. I'm Madeline Sorensen. And I'm Tyler Clancy. And today we'll be interviewing Dr. Jeff Dew. Dr. Jeff Dew studies everyday issues in family life. The majority of his research examines how financial and time use issues influence family relationships. He also has expertise in family virtues research. We're excited for this conversation with Dr. Dew, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Dr. Dew, thank you so much for joining us today and and sharing some of your insights with us. Before we connected here at the studio, I had the opportunity to do some research about you, your research focus, um, and the events that led you to where you are today. I want to read our listeners an excerpt from an interview you did with the Journal of Financial Therapy talking about uh, your background. So you said, I left a job in the mental health field to attend graduate school. The job had a reasonable salary and incredible benefits. As I was walking away from my graduate office one evening, I wondered how the financial change would influence my marriage. I have been researching this issue ever since. Wow, I love that because such an incredible testament to the passion and the genuine concern you bring to your research. You know, a lot of people think of academia as like the ivory tower. Um, but this is really something that, that you felt in your own life. So with that being said, Dr. Dew, can you tell, tell us a little bit more about the winding road that eventually brought you here to BYU to study and teach about families and finances? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, so I did leave that job and it was great. We had free rent. We had free groceries. We had a decent pay, you know, all, all the good stuff. And then I went to graduate school um, because I felt that was the direction my life needed to go. Um, and so there, uh, we didn't get a whole lot of money. Um, we were blessed in that um, we uh, had the tuition paid for, but we didn't get a whole lot of money for the work I was doing, uh, the research I was doing on campus. And it was affecting my marriage as I came to think about it. And um, it was harder for us. And, and you know, we were stressed more and our, our marriage was um, not as doing as well. Um, so I thought, huh, this is what I ought to study. And as I looked into the literature on these things, I realized that, you know, not a whole lot of people had done uh, family finance. There's a lot of personal finance, in other Mm -hmm. words, you know, how to budget and all that kind of stuff. But no one had really looked at how money influences families. And and so that's what I've been studying. I went to Utah State uh, after I graduated from Penn State and um, did a research position for two years. Then I I got a job at uh, Utah State as a professor. Um, We loved it. Um, We loved Cache Valley. My wife's from the rural south and and we both like the pace of life there, the goodness of the people um, there in Cache Valley. It's just, it's a special place. Um, and we intended to stay there. And BYU would come calling um, every year and say, hey, you know, you really ought to apply, Jeff. And um, I would just politely decline because we really, we really loved Cache Valley. Um, then after seven years at, B- uh, at uh, Utah State, BYU came calling again. And uh, my wife and I kind of had a Lehigh, take your family into the wilderness moment where we felt um, that God wanted us at BYU. Um, And so we applied and we came. And that's, uh, that's how that's how we're here. That is really, that's really cool. Uh, I have to ask, this might be a controversial question, but what do you believe is the better creamery? Is it the Aggie creamery? Or is it the BYU Cougar creamery? You know, I've been asked that multiple times, which makes me wonder. Um, Yeah, I um, 
I'm going to controversially say I think Utah State has a slight <laughs> edge. I'll have to edit this part out. For, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's that's really spectacular. Thanks for sharing that with us. I know you've done an immense amount of research about families, marriage, finance, how those all interact with each other. But one really stood out to me because of the, I guess, the significance. Um, it's called Financial Declines, Financial Behaviors, and Relationship Happiness During the 2007 to 2009 Recession. Before we jump into the details of that study, can you give us some background about how it came about? Yeah, so um, there was a, uh, a contest, an, a an academic contest, where you would submit a grant and the prize was free data. And, um, you know, professors love free data. So um, um, <clears throat> my colleague, Jing uh, Zheng Zhao at uh, Rhode Island, uh, University of Rhode Island, he and I um, thought, let's submit a, a proposal to create a measure that studies people and how they manage their finances, how, you know, um, how well they engage in sound financial management behaviors. And um, there wasn't really a, a, a good scale out there that did that. So we did that when we sent in our proposal and then uh, it got accepted and we did the study. Um, and uh, we submitted our, our questions to the, the organizers of this contest. And one of them knew me personally said, well, Jeff, why don't you have any, uh, any questions about relationship satisfaction? That's what you do. And, and so I said, oh, well, if you're saying I can have another question, I'll, I'll put that in. So I did. And that's how this study kind of came about. And the rest is history. Yes. Yeah. It's really intriguing. Um, but I believe your findings are even more fascinating. So the study is looking at the relationship between uh, relationship happiness, financial behaviors, and then the overall financial decline in the country and how that mm -hmm. all plays into effect. If I, as a, you know, uneducated, obviously not done the research, if I had to guess, a major, I would say that a major recession would just have a blanket negative impact on almost every single American family. But your research shows that there's another even more important factor that can uh, mediate that negative impact. What exactly is that? Yeah, so, um, so we just looked to see um, whether sound financial management behaviors were related um, to their marital happiness, the people in our study. And um, sure enough, it was. The, the, the more uh, sound financial management they practiced, uh, the happier they were in their marriage. And, and so that's really um, kind of the big kind of the big deal. And, and this was, you know, regardless of how um, little or how much the recession had affected their relationship uh, or, or their family personally. Interesting. That's a really I mean, that's a really powerful finding, I would say. Um, the ability for, quote, sound financial management to mediate the, I guess, overall economic pressures impact on relationship satisfaction. So for our listeners who maybe haven't read um, this study, which, by the way, we will link into the podcast notes for those who would like to read, read it. What exactly do you describe as sound financial management and why does it seem to be so powerful? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I mean, professors like to use all these funny phrases and words. Um, sound financial management is just basically your your plain vanilla advice um, that you hear all your life, that we've heard from the brethren, right? Um, make a budget, don't spend more than you earn, um, save for a rainy day, 
um, you know, have a retirement fund, have adequate insurance and so forth. There's, there's nothing really magical about the term sound financial management. It is um, just essentially um, what you would expect. Hmm. Wow. So there's not really any, I guess, secret principle or silver bullet. It's really just sticking with the basics. Um, so, so your study is telling us that when facing economic hardship, leaning into these basic principles of sound fin financial management can help us weather the storm. Yeah, and, and what's um, really interesting to note, too, is um, whether you're having financial problems or not, um, sound financial management, you know, kind of in, in other studies that we've looked at, and actually in this study, too, um, sound financial management uh, is associated with uh, being more happy in your marriage, okay? And so it's not just a, a thing you want to do during financial stress. In fact, if you do it, you will be more, you know, when there's not financial stress, you'll be more prepared for it later. So um, so that's really uh, something that, that you just want to practice constantly and consistently. I love that. And and yeah, the I, I think there's a quote that says, that when the time for performance is here, the time for preparation is over. Right. And so you know, and that's that's the class you teach here at Brigham Young University is mm -hmm. family finance, and you teach those principles. So the idea is, is is if we we can start these habits and principles when we are maybe in our twenties or even early, uh, late teens, then mm -hmm. these will these will carry over. Absolutely, yeah. And and the earlier you start, the better. And and that's just that's just the way money works. Spectacular. Well, I think it's safe to say that this is an extremely important study and and timely. For the current situation our nation is facing. Um, with that in mind, would you have any specific advice for families right now across the spectrum who are doing their best to navigate the challenging economic conditions that have been facilitated by COVID-19? Yeah, um, so I think what you said before about preparation is really important. Um, so, you know, we may get out of this soon, we may get out of this later. Um, but really what you want to do is make sure that when we get out of this, make sure you get some savings together and food storage together and for the next emergency that happens. Right. Um, but a lot of times people will um, a lot of times people will resort to their credit cards when they're facing unplanned expenses if they don't have an emergency savings. And if there is something that, uh, if there are ways you can get around um, doing that, that's that's better because. Ultimately, using a credit card to get you through a, a crisis is not a sustainable method. It works in the short term, but not in the long term. Um, so, um, you know, cut cut your budget if you can. Um, you know, go go to the essentials and and you know make it so that you can um, continue to live with the essentials. Um, you know, until you get until you get more money. Um, now. Uh, I want to say another thing, though, um, two, two more things on this question. Um, first, um, you should never um, you should never uh, go and dip into a retirement fund when you're in a financial emergency because you end up paying um, penalties on it and taxes. Mm. Essentially, you mm. end up paying a third uh, of, of what you take out to taxes and penalties. So it's just wow. not a, it's just not a very good thing to do. The other thing um, is that we had another study to, to, to see if we could tell how couples um, were able to keep their marital quality intact during the recession while others didn't. And we found that the main protective factor was that 
um, those spouses who did really the daily nice things for each other um, kept their marriages at a very high level. So this was things like showing respect, um, doing little favors for each other, expressing admiration on a regular basis, you know, and so forth, those kinds of things. Um, that was a bigger deal than managing the money. So, um, so I think that, um, you know, even if you, even if there are things that you can't do necessarily financially, there certainly are things that you can do maritally to help your relationship, you know, um, stay good, even, um, even when you're having financial problems. Excellent. So staying away from consumer debt as much as humanly possible, making sure to not dip into any retirement or long-term funds and paying those penalties, and then just doing the little things, mm -hmm. uh, being mindful about uh, taking care and nurturing your relationship every day. That yeah. would be your perfect. Yeah, I think that marriage is, is kind of like a plant is what, I tell, is what I tell students, that marriage is like a plant and it just needs regular nurturing. And if you do that, it will thrive. And so, um, so if you, you know, it, it gets really stressful and sometimes, you know, during, during times like these, and so you might neglect your spouse. Um, this is definitely not the time to mm -hmm. cut back on what you're doing in your marriage, mm -hmm. but rather to step it up. I love it. Step it up. That's some, that's some great advice. Um, well, thank you for that. If it's all right, I, I'd like to switch gears just for a little bit and talk more broadly about couples and finance. Um, what have you seen? What are some of the common financial pitfalls or mistakes that individuals and couples seem to fall into early in their marriage? Yeah. So, so first, let me start off with one of my own because, you know, I'm not perfect. Um, I did not start um, a retirement fund until my early 30s. So I lost out on 10 years of growth um, that, that could have happened. Even if I was only saving a little bit towards retirement, it, it would have been a good thing. Um, now, as far as BYU students, because I would imagine that they're a big part of our audience, um, I think that um, newlyweds in general, um, particularly BYU newlyweds, um, they buy too much house mm. on, the first, uh, on the first time around. Um, and that's not a, I mean, even if you can afford the house payments, your budget really needs um, to be able to do more than that, right? So I would uh, say that the common rule of thumb is if you spend more than 25% uh, of your income on your housing payment, the interest on that, on your housing payment, the taxes and the insurance, then you're spending too much, right? So 25 to 28% is really the maximum you should be getting a house payment for. Um, another thing that I see is students not paying off their student loans as soon as possible, right? Just because you've got this great new income right. doesn't mean this is the time to coast. If you've got a, a wonderful new income with a great career and a new job, just pay that student loan stuff down. And then once you're free, you know, within five or six years, you can do whatever you want rather than having it drag you down. Um, I see people not making a budget and this extends to more than just students, right? <laughs> Um, budgeting in your head doesn't work. There's even research that shows that budgeting in your head doesn't work. Essentially, it doesn't matter how you keep your budget, whether it's pen, paper, computer, whatever, um, but doing it in your head doesn't work. Hmm. And of course, not following your budget. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but kind of two, two sides of the coin there. Um, well, that's fantastic advice. I, I hope our audience is taking notes here. And I hope they know too that they can sign up for 
um, SFL 260. You don't have to be an SFL major to take your class. Is that right? Correct. In fact, um, this uh, past semester, winter 2020, um, I had 90% non-majors. 90%. It, wow. it was awesome. Yeah, I, I love it when we have non-majors. I love our majors, of course, but but I love the fact that we get so many non-majors because it just shows people are interested in, you know, um, stepping up and taking responsibility and, you know, becoming an adult, really. And that seems to be, that seems to be, yes, you have the the X's and O's of the numbers of your class, but the principles in your class, that really seems to be the ethos is taking responsibility, even principles like paying down your student debt right away. Mm-hmm. That's just the responsible choice. And I feel like that, is a big part of what your team is that correct? Yeah, I mean, we're not, you know, we don't we don't try to be too strict about things, right? Because everybody's individual financial situation is different. But yeah, then we do teach principles, right? And you you do the best you can with what you have. Mm-hmm. And so we try to teach you what the best you can is, right? And how to do that best you can. Um, and 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 so yeah, that that's what we try to teach principles and the math and the how to, yeah, all of it. All the above. Yep. All the above. I love it. Well, I want to ask you, and this, this, you might laugh at this, but has there ever been a point in your career where you were surprised by a finding or is family finance a more intuitive subject that is just kind of, uh, kind of there? Yeah. So let me just say, I've been on CNN twice. I've been in the New York times, Wall Street Journal, all these major publications and things, um, because people are surprised by what I find. Um, personally, I've never been surprised by what I find, um, s- frankly, because I have the guidance of the brethren and nothing that I study has ever contradicted the, again, the plain vanilla, the basics that they say, live within your means, do a budget, have some savings for a rainy day. Um, all of those things, um, they work out. Uh, in fact, I have a cousin who teases me about it. Uh, and, and he's, he, every time he asks me what research you're doing and uh, what research I'm doing and what I've found. He always says, well, don't we already know that? Like, isn't the grass already green? I mean, we know that. And I said, well, yes, we know that. But that's because, you know, we um, have the guidance of, of apostles. Um, and and um, but, yeah, I think uh, out in the world, there's um, a great deal of surprise um, by by my findings. That's really that's really cool um, how it's in, in some ways for some it can be, wow, this is a breath of fresh air. And for for others it can be kind of the consistent message. There. Yeah. Um, I love that. What is your take on, and this is a question that when we taught, when we said we're interviewing Dr. Jeff, do this is a question that we uh, got submitted. What is your advice when a couple gets married for bank accounts? Should mm-hmm. they have all of their money in one bank account? Should they keep it separate? What is, what is your advice as the uh, financial expert here. Yeah, so I think there, I think there is a um, a scholarly answer to that, and a and a theological answer to that. Um, theologically, I, in in my opinion, and and I think this is backed up in scripture, um, that marriage you are meant to be one, uh, you're meant to be united, um, and you are meant to um, be together, and so it is um, so much easier to build trust and transparency in a new marriage, which is so important mm. if you combine your finances and um, make sure that both spouses have regular access to that. Uh, you should make your budget together because again, you're supposed to be one. And if one spouse doesn't have input into the budget, they have no stake in it. 
Therefore, they don't have to follow it, or mm. at least so the thinking goes, right? <laughs> right. So yeah, I would, I would, um, yeah, put it together, put your monies together, and um, and do your budget together. Now the scholarship supports that. Um, couples who combine their finances are happier in their marriage than couples that don't. Now we don't know the direction of that. It may be that unhappy couples don't put their money together because they're unhappy, right? And the happy couples have an incentive to put their money together. So we're still working out the, the direction of that effect in our, in our study, in, uh, well, in, in, in the research. But, but yeah, there is, a, there is a positive correlation between putting your money together and having a happy marriage. Excellent. So not just putting your money together, but putting your heads together and planning mm -hmm. that budget. Yeah, that goes back to that principles uh, discussion that we had a little bit earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the 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 foundation work needs to be done together. Um, who keeps track of the who keeps track of the finances day to day? It doesn't matter if one people do it or both people do it. Um, but in terms of of your financial goals, especially those financial goals need to be held jointly, right? And and then you you use your budget, again working together to um, map out how you're going to achieve those joint financial goals. So it really is a, it really is a team effort. And, um, one of the things that I've heard about, uh, that I've heard from, from the, the church's, um, financial, um, personal finance class that they have now with the, with the, um, what they're called self-reliance self groups. Yeah. One of the things that I keep hearing from people is, oh yeah, I took personal finance and, our marriage got better. You know, they mm. don't, they don't say, and we're doing better with our finances, right. but they'll say our marriage got better because, yeah, because that, that course says, Hey, if you're married, do this exercise together, you know? I, wow. <laughs> that is funny because I do hear the same thing. Our marriage got better. They yeah. don't even necessarily say, Oh, we, our income skyrocketed. Right. And that, but you, you, and it goes back to that initial research that there's, there's more to it than just the numbers. Yep. Um, one last question, and this is more just a question about general consumer finance mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. some, I guess, newer people in the economy might might want to know yeah. is about credit. Okay. When is a good time to start building credit? And what what do we make of things like payday loans yeah. or auto title loans and some of these short term lending mm -hmm. solutions? How do how does someone who's just emerging in the economy make sense of all of that? Yeah, let me start with let me start with your second question. Um, payday loans and and especially auto title loans um, are, are dangerous financial instruments. Uh, you can make it work, but you have to know exactly how to make it work. And you have to know, uh, know exactly what your future income is looking like. I, I would just say to everybody, stay away um, from payday lending and from any other type of what we call alternative uh, finance. Okay. Okay. Um, it's just it's just dangerous and expensive. Um, as far as building credit, students are so interested in that. I would say, if I were to order all of the things that you should be doing financially, building credit is at the bottom. It's the very last thing, hmm. and this is why. Um, you don't have to buy a home, right? Contrary to popular opinion, you don't have to buy a home. And in fact, there are situations when. Um, renting is a better idea. The only reason to build credit is um, to to have a lower interest rate on your mortgage, or to um, get a car, you know, a reasonable car. Right, I'm going to throw that in. Um, reasonable car. If you don't have the money to get a car and you and you need one, that's the only reason to have a, a high credit score. And sure. if you want a credit 
score for any other reason is not a good reason. So, um, okay. So let's talk about if I do want to, if I do want to build credit. Um, yeah, the only way that you can build credit is by going into debt, which again is something that we don't necessarily want to do. One of the things that I tell students is if you're absolutely set on building credit, um, get a credit card and buy something small every month and then pay it off every single month, right? It actually builds your credit score quickly because 65% um, of your credit score is um, how often you make your payments on time mm. and um, how large your um, the ratio between what you've taken out during the month and how big your credit is that ratio and the lower that ratio is, is the be the better and more quickly your credit score will go. That's 65% of your credit oh. score. So yeah, get a credit. I'm not saying to anybody get a credit card, but if you want to build your credit, but if you're set right, if you're set on it, get a credit card, buy something small that you know you have the money to pay for, pay it off, and then religiously pay it off at the you know before your bill comes due, and that will raise your credit card. Some people think you actually have to carry the debt. To raise your credit and that's just not true um mm -hmm. my wife and i had incredible credit scores when we when we got a, a a car loan because we would um use a credit card pay it off every month we never we never paid a dime in interest and our credit score was great when we went to go get a car loan so yeah that's i mean that's how you would build a credit but if you don't have a saving emergency savings fund if you don't um if you aren't budgeting or and you know anything like that? The basics. If you're not doing those basics, there's no reason to be that building a credit score. Yeah. Excellent. Yep. Well, perfect. Well, for our listeners, if you want to learn more about Dr. Dew's research or how you can get involved and join one of his classes, we are going to put that information in our podcast notes uh, with you. But Dr. Dew, thank you so much for joining us today. This has really been a spectacular conversation, and I know I speak for everyone listening when I say I've learned some valuable insights and lessons. So we appreciate your time and willingness to join us on the podcast today, and we hope to have you back soon. Uh, you know, I appreciate this opportunity, and I would love to be back soon. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to know more about Dr. Dew or his research, those links will be in the show notes. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns for us, please email us at byusflpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show.